Good morning, church. Good morning. The reading from today comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 28 through 35. Now, listen for the word of God. As they came near to the village which they were going, he walked ahead as if he was going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because the evening, because it's almost evening, and now the day is nearly over. So he went in with them. And then when he was at table, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said, were our hearts not burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and the companions gathered together. And they were saying, the Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been known to them in the breaking of the bread. This ends this reading of this holy word. May it be good news to us. Today we celebrate World Communion Sunday, a Sunday when, as it's been explained to you, Churches throughout the world will come around the table and celebrate the plenty we have in Christ Jesus. This concept of Ubuntu, a community not bound by, by nation, not bound by culture, not bound by gender, a community much broader than any one of us can imagine. There's a way that this day celebrates that. It is as if there is a, we come home to the family of God's dinner table, if you will. We come home to find a place for us sitting there. We come home. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, while this table may be small, it's much larger. It's much larger because it isn't just this table. The Presbyterian liturgy, there's a statement often in the beginning. It is Christ who invites so that all might have a seat at the table. In the tradition I grew up in, that moment that invitation was summarized in the simple statement all are welcome 
It's a profound image. It's a prophetic image. And it's a comforting image also. And yet, if we are to take seriously, I would argue it is also a very uncomfortable image. It is an image that should make us feel a little bit uncare, a little bit uncomfortable. Why do I say this? Let me pose a question to you. This week, we have begun a process in our nation, a process that I think everyone who was a part of this would have wished that it would never come to this. The beginning of the week, we heard about a call made between our president and another leader. And how, for some, there's an implication that the actions and the words of our president are somewhat less than the office he holds. In this mad dash to try to make sense of this, our president sought out to, quote unquote, find out who the leaker is. We are thankful we live in a world, in a nation where there are laws and that no person can have absolute power. For a moment, I want to imagine something. Imagine for a moment Donald Trump and the whistleblower sit down at table. What would that look like? What would be said? What would be unsaid? uncomfortable image, is it not? Second, this past week in our nation, we have watched as the trial around Botham Jean's killer was tried. This was the African-American man who was in his apartment when an off-duty cop came in and shot him, assuming that she was in her apartment. We probably have all seen that hug that took place this past week where Botham Jean's younger brother says to the court, I don't know if this is okay, but can I ask if I might be able to hug Amber Geiger? 
We walk as he steadily walks to her and how she rushes to hug him. What would it be like for those to have dinner together? Where would that take place? How would that table be set? What would they serve? What would they say and what would they left? What would not be said? These are very challenging images that strain at our ability to have a prophetic imagination, to have an imagination that sees what God would want, that to see what God's will would be. Maybe the most challenging of these images is the one where Botham Jean himself sits down with Amber Geiger in some time yet to be. I wonder what that encounter will be like. We take seriously the scripture passage from today. If we think about it long and hard, if we give it any commitment in our lives, we must understand something. While it's not certain that any of these encounters happen, or even that they should happen, it is not beyond God's grace to allow them to happen. The challenge that underlies this is to see that God's gracious love stands outside those principalities of power in our world to something greater. We're reminded when Jesus was in his final hours, when he was being trialed, he says, my power is not of this world. And every power that has been given to you is not your own. It's a profound image. Here in the closing part of Luke, we have this encounter on the road to Emmaus, a part of scripture I dearly love. As you all know, we start off the story with two would-be disciples who encounter this stranger. And they talk about the news of the day. They talk about their struggles, how they've seen their beloved teacher be hung out to death, to be strung out against some piece of wood like some strange fruit. And they're trying to make sense of that which is insenseless. 
And this stranger starts teaching them about scripture and showing them how what had to happen must happen. And this conversation keeps on going and going and going as they travel that journey. And they get to the end of the journey. And they ask this stranger if they might have a meal, which in my mind is the foundations and it is the starting of community, that concept of Ubuntu. But he says he has other things to do. But they urge him strongly, stay with us. What does he do? He comes in and stays with them. And he breaks the bread and their eyes are opened. In the Presbyterian church and other churches, there's a call to worship in that, that we remember that Jesus Christ was made visible in the breaking of the bread. So we hope that that might happen to us today. It's a powerful image. We are told in scripture that they will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. Talk about a foretaste of a meal yet to be had in the fullness of God's presence. These images are so profound and so challenging because we understand it is Christ and Christ alone who invites. It is Christ and Christ alone who sets this table before us. It is Christ and Christ alone who loves us so richly. Yet, if we're honest, and we have to be honest, we would come to realize that this table, there are probably some people we would probably prefer not to have dinner with. You know, they always ask that question, if you could have dinner with five people from any time or any place, who would they be? We always can list off those names fairly easily, right? But there's another list, another list that may be a lot longer than those five people about people who we would probably prefer not to have dinner with who we would probably prefer never to see again in our entire life. We all know who those names are in our own head. This is the question I have before you. In the fullness of time when we are in the presence of God in a way we cannot be in this world, when we take our hopeful place at that table, 
where all are fed, where all have enough to eat. Are we going to be surprised with who else is sitting at that table? Are we going to be surprised with those who we cannot sit at table with here? The profound image, is it not? When this was asked of me, of a fellow member, he challenged us to see that the way we live our life now will determine a lot about how we encounter that table later on. Can we live our lives now in such a way that we look hopeful for that moment? Or do we live our lives in such a way where we are afraid of that moment? In this scripture passage, I think we have a deep and clear argument that where the gospel speaks to us of while many truths, one that is deep and clear to me, which is that if there's anything we can take away from this, is that when God tells us through scripture that we ought to expect God when we least expect God. They were not expecting Jesus Christ that day at dinner. They were not expecting to see Christ. We're told in Matthew, the parable of the sheep and goats, both sides, and I want to reemphasize that, both sides won't recognize the king. Both sides are challenged. When did we serve you, Lord? If only we had known, Lord. Both sides don't get it. Even when we're told we're not going to get it, we still don't get it. That's the mystery. That's the wonder. That's the power of the revelation of God. That is not something we're supposed to get. It is something we receive out of thankfulness, but it's something that grows within us to see something much greater. How do we live our lives in such a way that we live in the hope that there will be a day and time when we receive an invitation, not of our Goodness, but out of the grace of Jesus. And that we come to this table confident, not because we fear those who might be with us, but that we know that we live in the promise of what God has offered us through Jesus Christ. No, we live in a time and an age where at dinner it seems to be a place 
that divides us, that our identities are found in these cultures of separation. It's troubling for me because foundationally, that's what often Christians are seen as. We don't want this group or that group or that group a part of this table. And there's a long history, one that I would all bore you about, about how we have failed to live into the promise of that. How we have failed to live into the promise of the kingdom of God. Too often, missionaries, evangelists, pastors, and local folk have sought to proclaim the kingdom of God only to bring forth the empire of the world. We must take accounting and tone for those sins. But we also must look forward to a hopeful day when all are united around Christ. Where all are reconciled in Christ's love and grace. How do we live into the hope that we have at the table? Well, one thing we're going to do this upcoming week, we're going to go to feed our starving children. In this way, we ensure that people throughout this world who don't have food have the opportunity to have food. And that is while a very immediate and real way we can manifest this hope we have of that time in Christ's presence. And yet there are more ways we can do that. More ways we can be about expecting God in the unexpected. We come in our day and age, and let's be honest, this is nothing new to us or our generation or our place or our era. There has always been divisions. There has always been people who would seek their power by limiting who we see and who we don't see. There is this culture within us of division. How do we live into a hope that sees beyond that division? For me, it's about understanding that when I come to any one issue or any one policy or any one ministry, fundamentally I must come with a reassurance that I don't have all the cards. I don't know everything as apart from what my wife may think. I come to a understanding that I have a particular point of view 
that is enriched by my tradition, that has been enriched by my experience, that has been enriched by those who come before. I grant you that. But often the person on the other side, too, has their own truth. And the challenge of Revelation is not to say, well, you have your truth and I have my truth, that concept of alternative facts, but the concept that our truths in the fullness of that unexpected revelation, if you will, that peekaboo revelation of Christ, that God shows up like the game peekaboo. It's in the marriage of these great truths that we begin that process of living into the hope that is found at this table, that Ubuntu, that community beyond community. What would it look like if we embraced that as our identity? Not where we have to sacrifice what we believe, but that we can come to a table, whether it is this table, whether it's the table downstairs, whether it's the table outside in our own homes. One of the most profound images while I was going through my training was my internship at a hospital called St. Vincent's. It's a Catholic hospital. And so the CPE residents all went down to, to partake in mass, but there was a problem. Two of us were Protestants. So we would go up to the priest, he would see our Presbyterian thing and very nicely blessed us and move us on. But here's the funny thing. While we did not participate in the Eucharist because the Roman Catholic Church does not accept our baptism, the funny thing is then after that, we would hustle down to the cafeteria where we would get our food, and then we would go back to the chaplain's office. And there was a table there. It was a big round table where those, where everyone sat and had a meal together. And we shared both the joys and the concerns that we were going through, whether in the work and outside of the work. And I will argue any day of the week while the liturgy of the Eucharist is important and is crucial in understanding. The communion we had afterwards was as important because that's when we actually lived into the promise that we find in the liturgy. That's when we became more of our brother's keeper, even though we had a long and arduous history that would tear us apart. That is the challenge of living into the promise that is found within the Eucharist. When we remember that he was known in the breaking of the bread, 
May it be so for us today. Amen. Amen. Amen.